morning. It's good to be together. He is here. He is present in this moment. We can walk right by him even in the middle of services. And yet he is here. When I was growing up as a PK, pastor's kid, around southeastern Kentucky, I got to see the inside of a lot of United Methodist churches during that time. I can't tell you how often I noticed some variation of Warner Salzman's painting, Christ at Heart's Door. You've probably seen some version of this, at least I would imagine you have, because I saw it a lot. It's one of my boyhood memories, hearing my dad describe what this popular painting was about. Solomon depicted Jesus knocking on a dark, overgrown, and obstructed door representing the human heart. There's no visible handle, so the door has to be opened from the inside, suggesting that Jesus is respectfully asking permission to bring his light into the darkness, even as his light, we see, illuminates the overgrown door. The whole image was said to represent allegorically the offer of saving grace to each one of us, along with the choice that each one of us has to make whether we will open that door or not. It's the first time as a boy I remember reflecting on art and faith, and I never forgot it. It stayed with me. It still does. It was many years later that I found out that, that Salman's painting was actually based on a more famous painting by William Holman Hunt called The Light of the World. It's again an allegorical painting. It was first produced in the 1850s and Hunt produced a number of versions between 1851 and 1904, but all depict the same subject, Jesus, and the same context, knocking at an unopened door. You can easily see where Solomon's painting drew inspiration, but you also notice differences, don't you? My favorite point of comparison is the source or sources of light in the two paintings. In Solomon's painting, Jesus was the singular source of light. But in Hunt's earlier painting, there's a, a trinity of lights that wait hopefully for invited entrance. There's the light around Jesus' head and face. There's the light of the lamp that he carries. And there's the light of the morning sun as it rises behind him. In both, despite those visual differences, Jesus is knocking, hoping to raise the attention of the occupant, offering light for darkness, inviting relationship. Both paintings are often said to illustrate Revelation 3.20, which quotes Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You've probably heard this verse quoted at some point in your life. I know I had to memorize it as a child. If you will, let's read the whole verse together. But this time let's read from a less known version, the New Living Translation. If you'll look to the screen uh, as we read with one voice, would you join me? Look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. 
<laughs> Knocking. What an amazing offer to all of us. We're invited into fellowship with the Son through the Spirit to the delight of the Father. And if we say yes to his personal invitation to each one of us, their communion lights up our darkness. For me, I said yes and opened the door of my whole life to Jesus 50 years ago when I was 13 years old. I still remember that yes moment like it was yesterday. <laughs> In the gym of Harlan High School, Carson. <laughs> In southeastern Kentucky at an evangelistic crusade with a person that you probably would never remember, but I'll always remember the pastor or the preacher in that moment. I don't know it, I didn't know it then, but that yes was just the first yes of many. There were many, many more to follow. There still are in my life. About 15 years ago, when I began to explore the contemplative traditions in our faith, I had a new revelation about the paintings, Hunt and Solomon's both. I found that those paintings might actually mean something more than a reference to something in the past in my life, as life-changing as it was. Was it possible that Jesus' knocking could be a present tense reality? If so, then Revelation 3.20 was more real and relevant than I had ever seen. And things began to come alive as I looked at the context for the verse. In the context, we realized that Revelation 3.20 was not written to unbelievers, people who had needed to invite Jesus into their lives, but to a lukewarm congregation of Laodicean believers. Although it fits well allegorically, and I'm not disputing the, the old things that my dad told me about what happens when a person is saved. John was recording Jesus' words to Laodiceans who said they were already Christians. It seems that they had invited Jesus into their lives, but he was no longer getting much of their attention. He was knocking, but it was like there was nobody home. For me, thinking contemplatively and contextually about the images and the paintings and also in the scripture, Jesus' knocking ceased to be about something that happened in my past. It began to depict a reality that was preciously present Revelation 3.20 is current. It's relevant now. You see, Jesus' knocking is a sound that is present in every moment. Every now. You see, in every single moment of every single day, Jesus is inviting me and you to do life together with him. We're invited into the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that lights up our darkness. He's always present, and he's always knocking, asking, will you pay attention amidst all the things that are happening around you? Finals, financial issues, family issues. Do you hear me knocking? In those moments? Like Brother Lawrence, the monk whose work as a monastery dishwasher became a place to practice the presence of God, we too can learn to practice his presence, even in moments that don't seem possible.
when we do, something amazing begins to happen. Even in ordinary things where we wouldn't expect to find him, something amazing can occur. There in the quiet of ordinary days, there in the jumble of chaotic ways, there in the middle of all that's mundane, something amazing is happening. darkness of tears in the night there in the joy of a heart lost in flight there in great weakness and there in great might something amazing is happening Something more amazing than our hearts could create. Our Father and Creator is covering our days with His great love and grace and mercy. were too distracted by the cares of the world to say yes to something amazing. They had grown lukewarm because they forgot who was constantly present with them. They quit paying attention. They saw the world without recognizing that he was the amazing light in the center of it all. They missed his knocking. Or maybe worse, they just ignored it to pay attention to all those other things. They looked away from what was really amazing 
to all that captured their attention. We become lukewarm when we are so distracted by the things that are going on around us that we fail to hear him knocking. We walk right past his invitation as he asks, let me into this moment with you. Let's do this moment together. It's true that good things can capture our attention in a way that makes us deaf to his invitation. It's possible to get so caught up in joy and beauty that we forget that he's present, but I don't know if you're like me, it's less those times and it's more often things that stress me. Those are the things that capture me and hold my attention. It's the threats that I perceive in my life. My mind can get so tunneled in those anxious moments, in those moments of alert within me, I often see nothing except the problem until I can get it managed and wrestled down and controlled in some way. I can't take my mind off of what I fear oftentimes. It just absorbs my attention. And I can miss the knocking that goes on in those very moments. What about you? You do that? Am I the only one here? The important thing, though, is what does Jesus do in those moments? <laughs> he stands at the door and he knocks. He never gives up. And in those stressful moments, he's saying, I'm here <laughs> right in the center of all that you fear. Hear me. See me. Let me into this moment with you. Do this moment with me. You're not alone. You never, you've never been alone. And you never will be. I am Emmanuel. God with us. I mentioned Brother Lawrence a few minutes ago and his story chronicled in that famous book, The Practice of the Presence of God. He was simply a cook and dishwasher in the monastery. He lived in the kitchen. But amidst his humble efforts, he always listened for Jesus' knock. Every pot, every pan was invitation. And he was practiced at opening the door in the midst of everything that he did. If you would, take just a second. And would you quietly read this quote from that book? Can we practice the presence of God like that? <laughs> I think we can. It's kind of like putting glasses on every morning to see. Do you remember if you are visually impaired like I am at times, what that was like the first time you got glasses? It's like colors come alive. And there's a vividness to the world that I didn't know was really even there. In whatever situation we find ourselves, it's about practicing remembering that he is present and active in the moment. In fact, when you remember him, you are simply hearing his invitation. You're hearing his knock when you remember him. You may not feel any different when you remember his presence in the moment. It may not change the scene around you at all. 
But now you realize he is with you and he is actively working on your behalf. You are not alone. He is seeking you. He will bring light to that which feels dark and fellowship for your soul. Do you hear him knocking as we come to the table today? This is the most famous knock. This is the most intimate knock. And so as we enter into this, would you hear it in a way that's not just casual, usual, or habitual? Would you come listening for his knock and would you say, yes?